You're listening to the Longbox Crusade Crusader Chronicles, Episode 4, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 148 and X-Men number 94 from June 1975. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Longbox Crusade, Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sampson. Crusader Chronicles is a spin-off podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. Sometimes I will be joined by fellow podcasters and friends of the show, or sometimes it may just be me alone. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection. The main Longbox Crusade podcast will be changing the format to find out what's in your Longbox. Each episode, a random date and year is chosen, and then each host will bring an issue from their Longbox from that random date and year. We will continue to do the normal segments of covering the ads, movies, and music from that period, and the issue review will be more detailed. We still have a few upcoming episodes of the old format to release, so stay tuned for the new format, as it will be the same fun you have come to expect from us. Joining me this episode are Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. And his brother, Jason Albrecht, my co-host from our main podcast, The Longbox Crusade. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break. Kalabak, Desaad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Now let's get into our first issue. It is Amazing Spider-Man number 148. On sale date of June 10th, 1975, with the title of Jackal, Jackal, Who's Got the Jackal? Writer was Jerry Conway, penciler is Ross Andrew, inker Mike Espotito, inker Dave Hunt, letterer John Costanza, colorist Petra Scotis, Cotes. Wait, am I? Uh, am, Goldberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it says Goldberg. <laughs> Mike. Goldberg as well. So, must be a, a change of name there. For the cover credits, we have Penciler of Gil Kane and Inker is John Romita. So, let's go ahead and, and get started into this issue. And Jared's going to take us through it. Uh, let's start with the cover. Okay. The cover, uh, like you said, is a Gil Kane cover. And that might be all you need to know. It's great. It's got a great layout. Um, the the layout is basically uh, we're looking sort of from the ground up at the top of the uh, of the bridge. Uh, is that the Brooklyn Bridge? Do you guys remember? Is that the one that? Uh, I think so, but I'm not from New York, so I. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's the famous one that that uh, Gwen Stacy died being thrown off the top of. But um, I think she was thrown off the anyway. A bridge in New York. Uh, so we got a ground up view of, and, and Spidey is falling. He's sort of full frame falling while he's being, he's chained up. And it's obvious that he's been kicked and thrown off the top of the bridge because up top, up top in a, in a little bit smaller because they're further away. You've got the jackal and tarantula, uh, obviously kind of kicking and throwing him off the bridge as Spidey falls chained up. A uh, great uh, picture of, uh, of the moon behind them. 
and Gwen Stacy kind of looking on in her trance-like state. Uh, it's got uh, good color work. Top half is sort of sort of blue sky, and the bottom half is sort of the uh, brown gray concrete of of the bridge. So it's got a nice balance. It's got a nice angle. Spidey's featured prominently. It gives you a sense of danger. Uh, it actually has word. Uh, balloons on the cover which is something i kind of miss sometimes tarantula is saying adios webhead give our regards to the fishes and uh he's then then he decides to add on to that yelling out today the tarantula triumphs and then and a little teaser blurb down in the bottom left corner it says revealed at last the shattering secret of the jackal so that is basically your cover layout what well you he probably think? he probably said the first thing as he was throwing him then he had to yell because, you know, Spider-Man was further away. <laughs> falling, so, so yeah. Make sure that he hears him. <laughs> that does make more sense. But, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about the cover? <clears throat> I guess we'll um, – Pat, go ahead. What do you think, Pat? I think it's a good cover. I, I like it. Definitely tells you what's kind of happening or where we – I believe where we left off on the first – or on the issue before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about this cover, this style of cover, is as soon as you look at the co- cover, if you read last month's issue, you are immediately reminded of where you're at in the story. Because the last issue in with Spidey being chained up and tossed off the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Gives a suspense. Um, so I want to open this up and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Jason, how about you? Well, I think uh, I I agree, and I think I think Pat touched on uh, on something there. Uh, as I remember back to being a kid, you know, when these were primarily in the magazine racks, you know, all these comics were competing for my quarters, my well, my quarter at this time, twenty five cents, and um, you know, so I I think that there was uh, an attempt by the artist to try to sell. You know, this is this is this is an advertisement as much as it is a cover. You know, uh, they 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 want to pack as much drama, uh, as much action as they can uh, onto that onto that that cover to get you to 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 buy that issue. You don't really see that so much these days. I mean, I think cover artists try to make the covers more artistic, but I think now comic book fans are primarily adults at this point, and they know that we're gonna you know we're we're gonna pursue our titles and we're gonna uh we're gonna stick with the writers and artists that we like so i don't think that there's as much of an effort now to to entice a young 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 man or a young lady to to part with their allowance money uh as much as there was back in the in 1975 and i think this does a really good job obviously you know tarantula and jackal aren't necessarily your a-list villains but uh you know, having Spider-Man in the foreground chained up, plummeting to his death, that's a real dramatic, uh, dramatic image. And Jared, like you said, Gil Kane, that's 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 really all you need to say. It's it's a good cover. It's solid. Good art. Good art on it. Jared, what do you think? Oh, uh, I, I, I think I tipped my cards early. I love the cover. Gil Kane does a great job. Agree with you guys totally. Build suspense. I think Jason made a great point. Uh, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of how it would have been on the spinner rack competing for you know, the money of kids and that sort of changed the dynamic of covers and never thought about it through that lens. I think that's really good insight. Um, and just, I, I like the color work and a lot of people talk about color work on the cover, but I think it's dynamic color work. I like how the amazing Spider-Man logo is in yellow, which makes it pop. And I've always liked that, mm-hmm. that logo with the web coming down from the top of the, yeah. of the page. It's just, yeah. when I see a, a cover with that Marvel comics group ribbon, you know, across the top and that logo mm-hmm. and that little, uh, icon spider-man icon just to the left of it it just it, i just know i'm like oh this is happy fun times right here so yeah. uh yeah that's that's my thoughts on the cover well let's give the cover a quick rating here out of a one through three we'll start with jared what do you rate it now if i remember correctly like our three is like something we would frame and hang yeah. on the wall two is something we really yeah. like one is something that basically gets the job done if I'm not mistaken. One is just, it just goes in the box. If you had this issue, would you frame it? Mm-hmm. Would it just be, yep, yeah, it gets the job done? Or Okay, so, one so would be, I got you. It just stays in, the, it'll stay in the okay, box. Okay, frame it is, is three, gets the job done is two, and one just, eh, leave it in the long box. Uh, I would say this one's pushing towards a three for me. I love the the environment that it that it's built. Um, the only thing that makes me hesitant is I know we kind of save threes for iconic covers. So I think if I'm being very That's honest, I'd give it a. I think I, if I'm being very honest, 
I'd give it a, a two because it's not a super iconic one, but just personally from an art sensibility, yeah, I might frame it and hang on the wall. So I'll cheat and give it a 2.5. <laughs> All right. Jason? Yeah, I, I agree with, with Jared. I think the cover is very solid. It does its job. It really grabs your attention. The only thing that prevents it from being a three, like Jared said, is is it's not an iconic cover. It doesn't really, you know, for a three, for me, it has to be, one, very um, well-drawn, which it is, but two, it's also got to have uh, some A-list villains on it uh, as well. And Tarantula and, and this gargoyle guy, or the jackal, I'm sorry, don't really uh, crack that, that, <laughs> that, glass, that glass ceiling there. So I'm going to say that, that it's, uh, it's a two for me. And I'm going to second your two as a, it's a two for me. It does its job. I love the art, so... Yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Let's get into the story. And, Jarrett, you have that. I do. Go ahead. I have the story summary for Amazing Spider-Man number 148 called Jackal Jackal, Who's Got the Jackal? While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, Become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. story begins with our brave but chained up hero Spider-Man being tossed from the top of a bridge by the villainous Jackal and the Jackal's henchman, the lethal Latino Tarantula. A hypnotized clone of Gwen Stacy also looks on as the evildoers toss Spidey off the bridge. With a nifty webbing shot, Spidey manages to save himself but is left dangling unconscious after banging into the bridge. As the police close in on Jackal and Tarantula, the bad guys escape along with Gwen via the micro jetpack that Jackal hid in the lining of Quinn's coat. (laughs) (laughs) For reals. Um, Leaving the cops with only Spider-Man to haul in. Spidey plays possum until the cops unchain him and breaks free of police custody and then changes back into his non-hero persona, Peter Parker. Peter heads home to find Mary Jane waiting to confront him for recently ignoring her. But Peter, head still reeling from his villainous run-ins and dealing with the clone of Gwen Stacy, completely blows off Mary Jane, slamming his apartment door in her face. Whilst gathering his wits in the bathtub, Peter's soak is interrupted by Ned Leeds, who shows up at Pete's apartment to lay out the clues he's compiled about the Gwen clone, which leads them to a college class that Peter and Gwen once took with Professor Warren. Ned and Peter ask Professor Warren about the samples that his lab assistant, Anthony Serba, from Gwen, but when goes to Peter Burke was confined by an immediately tracked down server, supposedly living in a man factory. Spidey finds the factory to be empty of everything except the dangerous tarantula, and the two engage in fisticuffs and footsticuffs until Spidey lays out tarantula. But mere seconds after his victory, Spider-Man is drugged by the jackal, who reveals himself to not be lab assistant Anthony Serba, but in fact he is Professor Warren. And that wraps up the story. Uh, <laughs> to be continued. That's it. Let's go into the highs and lows, so we'll start with Jason. Well, I think that this uh, story was was actually very good and very entertaining. Uh, a little silly in some parts. I, I think uh, we all got a little chuckle out of the uh, jetpack. The cloned uh, Gwen Stacy is is <laughs> is carrying. <laughs> it's real classy of the of the jackal to uh, have his uh, lab experiment mule. 
Mueller's escape, his escape craft. I think one of the things that I really liked best, I think the high for me in this in this story was the fight between Spider-Man and Tarantula. I really liked how it was done using the um, as he's using his spider light, which which I always kind of thought was a little bit silly of a gadget. Uh, but he he's using the uh, spider light to look around in this dark, empty apartment. Uh, and is ambushed by Tarantula. And the fight scene, this is one of those really um, interesting moments where the writer and the artist are, are really on the same page. And so you, you kind of get these glimpses and heavy shadows and lots of black of the fight scene uh, as, as, as they're fighting in the dark and the flashlights picking up, you know, glimpses of Tarantula, you know, and then Spider-Man, you know, takes the fight outside, busts it out of a window and, uh, and continues the fight, you know, in, in the daylight where he can see and how he takes him out is really interesting and entertaining to tricking him to jump through a, a billboard and impales his, his, uh, tarantula's knife toe into the, into the side of the water tower. Uh, and, and then Spider-Man is able to lay him out from there. I thought that the fight scene was just really, really good, really entertaining and just kind of a, a unique, uh, a unique take, a little um, different angle on what what could have just been another, you know, go around between Spider-Man and Tarantula, which we already had in the previous previous issue, um, if folks recall from our mm-hmm. previous episode. So to me, that was that was the high. I did enjoy um, the the dramatic elements too of of Ned and and. And Peter trying to figure out the mystery of of Gwen Stacy and her return, and Mary Jane kind of caught in the middle, um, trying to fight for a man, so to speak. Uh, those were all all really good aspects uh, of the story. Uh, I think that um, you know there were some elements like we talked about that were a little bit bit sillier, uh, but overall, I thought the story was was really well done and a, a, and a good collaboration between the writer and the artist. How about you, Jaron? Uh, Jason pretty much stole everything, uh, but he's right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like the consummate uh, Spider-Man story. It's got everything. It's It starts off with suspense falling from the bridge. Yes, it gets a little goofy when they have the micro-hidden jetpack. And let us not forget, the fuel was in her purse. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> in, a canis- in a canister in the purse. Yeah. And it is it's still kind of funny to see the three of them sort of flying away as the cops run up uh, on this this jetpack and transos basically has to hold the other two under his arm. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was also kind of neat that while Spider-Man did save himself with the web sling that he, I mean, physics did come into play and he knocked himself out yeah. and he's just kind of dangling there and the cops come and get him. And then they're done in by their own hubris because they want to unchain him so they can look cooler when they bring him into custody. And that's pretty much what springs him. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. That's just in the very first couple of pages. And then, of course, his stressed relationship with Mary Jane. What's a, what's a Spider-Man story without him having relationship problems due to his Spider-Man identity? Um, like Jason said, then they build a good mystery. I think really the strength of the story is exactly what Jason said. Is the, the, the writer and the artist are well in sync because even when they talk about – when they give you the red herring of the lab assistant, Anthony Serba, uh, the way he's drawn, he's drawn like a villain – uh, and yeah, that's of course, point. Professor Watson is kind of drawn like a kindly old man. And then, so when you get that reveal at the end that it's Professor Watson, it'd be like, oh my goodness, or Warren. I mean, Professor Warren. And like, oh goodness. Yeah. I also really liked, uh, Jason pointed out the, he defeated the tarantula by tricking him into putting the pointy toes into the water thing. Spidey knocks him out, and then you see that he's gone through that billboard. And it's a billboard for beer. Now yeah. the water is pouring out from where the, where the, <laughs> where the beer would pour out. But in in those in those panels, do you notice the the placement is not where right. where he actually yes, went in yes, the first time? Yes. But then all of a sudden, there's this bigger hole at the top of the yeah. Can they cheat, the they cheat a little can. bit for the joke in the last panel. Yeah, he, yeah. He kind of goes through the actual middle of the can, and then uh, but when you get the final shot of him unconscious, the water pouring out is pouring out from the mouth of the can, which is not where he went through the billboard. <laughs> but it does give you that neat sort of I call it a Roger Moore James Bond moment, you know. And just another echoing Jason's credit, the fight scene in the dark is really cool, really well, mm-hmm. quote unquote yeah. lit. Um, the, uh, 
the the inker was working full time on that one because you got to do mm-hmm. a lot of heavy ink work and a lot of great color work. So, I mean, no slight mm-hmm. to the artist, but the inker and the colorist really make that scene happen. And, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't have a lot of negative things to say. I mean, Micro Jetpack is is a little bit silly, and <laughs> uh, but aside from that, I mean. I just genuinely felt bad for Mary Jane getting the door slammed in her face, but yeah, yeah, it's like you know, it's like Peter. What are you thinking? You got this hot looking girl. I know she's she's not waiting, waiting, for, waiting for you to come home. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's like I'm going to do whatever for him, and she's wearing very little clothing. Yeah, yeah. and he just slams the but door hey, in there. Okay, and then jumps like, into a bubble bath. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking the only thing could, there. Say the only thing that could have made that bubble bath better is. Well, Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Th- at least she could have given me a- That's it. For- Go ahead, Pat. You, you take it. No, no, no. I was just going to say, at least she could have given him, you know, hey, you know, you can have him come in if he's, you know, wanting to soothe, get a massage or something. <laughs> yeah, he should have made his move instead of just. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's just my take on it, Pat. You can bring us home on that, on Spider-Man. Uh, I, I totally agree with you guys um, on the highs. Uh, enjoyed this one as well. The whole story going through, the continuing story from the last few other issues we've, we've read. The, the comedy was there as well, too. Um, the fight scene, yeah, that was awesome. I Just the artist, the art and the, the coloring on it really made that shine and pop. I think this is a lot better fight than the fight before before. Uh, before with the two mm-hmm. um, the only thing is now that I'm looking I look back and I'm like how can this guy walk around and fight with those heels on? he's got <laughs> I, I don't know how, are those what, how inch of those heels are it's like <laughs> only Prince got, knows for sure I, know. <laughs> I was gonna say you know. I can't help you man <laughs> he's got strong ankles uh, that's, that's all I can think yeah. you gotta walk around in these boots all the boy the other thing is that the jackal He's like a, he's real, that guy, for an old guy, he's really well fit. Yeah, unless it's that bodysuit that he's, <laughs> costume that he's in. He is ripped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like super ripped and it puts on that costume when you find out that it's a, you know, it's a costume. He takes off the hood. It's like, oh man, well, I don't, I don't know what he's using. <laughs> he's not using like PX90 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Warren's on the juice. <laughs> <laughs> I did think of one other thing that I forgot to mention in my synopsis uh, or in my in my review here that that bothered me, and that's um, how Professor Warren was able to sneak up on Spider-Man and mm-hmm. and avoid his web sense or his uh, spider sense mm-hmm. because Spider-Man thinks Professor Warren's a friend, and mm-hmm. so his spider sense doesn't. Re- I'm not sure the spider sense yeah. works that way. <laughs> I think that I think that was a little. Yeah. That was a little weak. I mean, you know, if all I have to do to, to ambush Spider-Man is to convince him early on that I'm his friend, <laughs> then the Spider-Sense isn't really working. Yeah. Yeah. I, felt, yeah, I definitely felt that was a little cop-out-ish as well. I mean, it would have been, I think it would have been easier for them to explain it, just like Spidey just thought his Spider-Sense was still tingling from the tarantula fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. He was still kind of amped up in the fight. Just kind of figured, oh, my, my sense will calm down in a second. But yeah, I mean, he's fought captain america and he's fought daredevil it's like they're his friends mm-hmm. i guarantee you any, any personal space you know his spider sense is person is a personal space bubble anybody gets into his personal space it will go off <laughs> he just goes off all i know is every but, time yeah. i kill a spider around the house <clears throat> and i sneak up on it and i smack <laughs> it i always go spider sense my ass <laughs> didn't save that guy <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I agree, Jason. I noticed that too. It definitely felt like a little bit of a, a cop out. I think it would have been a lot better explained to just say, "Oh, you know, his spider sense was still tingling from the tarantula fight." You know, so he he saw saw an opportunity and struck quickly, basically. Yeah, um, I'm definitely looking to read more about this. You know, the story's got me yeah, in all in on it, so I want to read the next uh, the, the next issue. Um, one thing we forgot to do was: is this your guys's first read or a reread for you? Well, let's go with Jared. Uh, this is a first read for me. Jason? Uh, first read for me as well. And it is a first read for me as well, too. Let's kind of close this up with some ratings. We'll start with Jason. How would you rate this issue? Uh, you'll have to remind me again. Is this? Are we doing four star, three star, two star, one star? Uh, this one's a, this will be a five star. Five is, uh, one is I hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three liked it. Four really liked it. And five is I loved it. Uh, I'll give it a solid four. 
How about you, Jerry? Solid four. And I will give it a four as well, too. I, I'm really enjoying the storyline. I so. am, too. And the I art am. is awesome. So great. And I, I'd never even heard of the Jackal before. <laughs> and and uh, uh, no, he's, he's turning out to be a pretty interesting character uh, from my my mm-hmm. perspective. Well, the one thing I can add about this is I, as I'm 99% sure that this storyline right here is the basis for what will become the clone saga in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. And the Jack, I was wondering, I was wondering about yeah. that. At some point they had, the Marvel had decided that, um, cause this, you know, obviously he's cloned Gwen, Gwen Stacy, the Jackals involved in cloning. And at some point Marvel decided in the nineties that they were going to go back to this storyline and basically say, um, the Peter Parker that we knew, uh, has been off doing something else. And every Spider-Man story you read from this one forward was actually the clone. And they were going to reveal that in the clone saga. So we're talking like 20 years that you've thought you've been reading Peter Parker, but you've been well, reading the clone. And then all the fans freaked out about that. And, and Marvel found about nine different ways to backpedal, then repedal, then backpedal. And the clone saga fell apart. But that was the original vision, was to go back to this story and say, Spidey got cloned, and you've been reading Spider-Clone for 20 years. We're bringing real mm-hmm. Peter Parker back, which I think was gutsy as hell. And I, I approve of that idea. But mm, the rest of the fan base didn't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. So let me get this straight. Marvel decided they're going to take a crap all over the, their main character. But I still, I still say that the, makes great stories, though. Like it doesn't change the fact the stories were great. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a clone it's of Peter a, Parker. It's not that yeah. different. It gives you a. And I was, I was kind of. Okay. I was going to say it gives you a, so much room to play too. If a real Peter Parker comes back and finds out that like uh, he his clone married his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that's some heavy stuff man yeah i guess that that would be a little bit of an eye-opener but anyway well and that that brings me back to in this issue when they're when ned's you know given and peter are going through their their assumptions here peter says oh they got our you know they took blood or, or cell samples or whatever you know of, of everybody in in the class well did but they didn't really say he did it in there you know they did they did they get peter's blood as well and yeah i'm thinking why would he do yeah that? that's a bad idea when you're trying to keep your spider powers in your identity yeah. that may sign a parental consent form for this <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this is and and if i'm not mistaken pat you're reading this digitally because you got it like in a collected Mm-hmm. thing yeah. i'm reading it digitally on marvel unlimited um but i think that's the whole reason they collected this storyline pat i think when that came out it was because this is the storyline that kicked off the clone saga yeah. which is okay. i think why they collected this story so that people who are reading clone saga could go back and see the roots of this <laughs> i think i'm it's pretty really sure i'm right on that but uh, again this was my first read so i'm yeah. just kind of fair yeah, well we'll that. find out if uh anybody listening to this has more information let us know and um uh, we can discuss it further, and you know, we'd love to have you on as well too to enlighten us as well as we go through this. So, so while we're on the subject of Spider-Man, I think we we should also take a moment and and uh, honor Joan Lee, Stanley's yeah, Stanley's wife. Yeah. Uh, um. I think uh, well, every comic book fan I think knows the story of of uh, how Fantastic Four came about. And if you recall, Stan Lee was going to quit comics in, when was it, 1963? And it was Joan who said, well, Stan, if you're going to quit, then, you know, write your last one and write it however you want, whatever you want to do. And who cares? Who cares if it's successful? You know, if it's the last one, it's the last one. Go out doing something that you like. And he said, okay. And he wrote Fantastic Four number one. So without Joan, we get no Marvel. <laughs> we get no. We get no Marvel universe. We get no Spider Man. So um, it's to me, it's funny that 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 essentially kind of happened to him twice. Because you know, Amazing Fantasy was about to be canceled, and so he was like, "Ah, eh, always had an idea for the Spider character. It's the last issue. I'll just do it." Yep. yep. And now he's the flagship character for the entire. Maybe the entire industry, but at least for Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say Spider-Man and Superman are probably the biggest flagship characters in the comic book industry. And he, yep. And he was just a one-shot. I always want to write this guy. It's the last issue of Amazing Fantasy. Next thing you know, ta-ta. <laughs> yep. There we are talking about 
<laughs> the most recent Spider-Man movie blockbuster. With that, I think we'll go ahead and hit a quick podcast promo break, and we'll be back with the next issue for this month. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Gotcha, or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientists and engineers spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this... The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Gene, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com and on iTunes under 2TrueFreaks Presents Anime Freaks. Welcome back. Our next issue for this month is X-Men 94. It's on sale date of June 10th, 1975. Well, the title of the Doomsmith scenario. The plotter was Len Wein. Scripter is Chris Claremont. Penciler is Dave Cockrum. Inker, Bob McLeod. Letterer, Tom Orzakowski. Colorist is Phil Rachelson. Rachelson. Um, and we have cover credits by Gil Kane and Dave Cockrum. Speaking of the cover, anybody want to give uh, an overview of the cover? I did the Spidey one, so I think, Jason, if you don't mind. Oh, I'll, no, I can take it. So the cover is uh, uh, one that I'm sure that um, most comic book fans uh, and probably all X-Men fans are uh, very familiar with. Uh, in the foreground, we have Colossus, uh, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Banshee uh, plummeting to the earth as their destroyed uh, X-Jet is uh, just above them. And then kind of faded in the background, overlooking the whole thing, is the evil Count Nefaria, who's saying, X-Men, you came seeking Count Nefaria. Instead, you have only found death. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. And uh, just like our previous Amazing Spider-Man 148 summary, this uh, cover was also drawn by the illustrious uh, Gil Kane. Jared brought up on the, the other issue, this has those, you know, the the wording on it, the blurbs mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, fans are split uh, about cover blurbs, man. Some people like them, some people don't. I like them if they give, it, if they give the cover an old school feel, because that's how it used to be done in the old school. So if you want an old school yeah. feel, put a blurb on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give a quick rating on, cover rating on this. Um, Jared? Uh, you know what? I'm going to rate this one a three. I think it's an iconic cover uh, because it is the first uh, X, uh, regular X-Men issue of the new team. It shows the new team really well. Uh, it's uh, it's Gil Kane, so it's great. It's super dynamic with the exploding jet, the people falling, a great poses, Count Nefaria's image in the background, color balance. It's got everything. I, I'm going to give it a three. I'd put it in a frame and hang it on the wall. Jason? Oh, without a doubt, a three. I mean, this is uh, this is one of the most iconic covers in the X Men franchise, and uh, the Gil Kane art is just tremendous. I, I the layout, the color, it, it's amazing cover. Yeah, three definitely. And I'm gonna also give it a three as well too. Um, definitely an iconic cover. 
Art is great. Coloring is awesome. And uh, you have above it the all new, all different X. Oh, good catch. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Pat. That's definitely exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, with that, let's get into the story. And Jason, you have the synopsis for this one. Stanley presents X Men, the most unusual fighting team of all time. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant has now begun. Uh, the X-Men have returned home from their recent battle with Krakoa, the living island, only to have the original team of Iceman, Havoc, Marvel Girl, and Angel announce that they're leaving Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Uh, the recently recruited team all agree to stay, with the exception of Sunfire, who considers the X-Men to be idealistic fools, his words, and leaves to return to Japan. With the rookie team of Storm, Wolverine, Thunderbird, Banshee, Colossus, and Nightcrawler all agreeing to remain. So Cyclops is confronted with a with a pretty bad dilemma. He needs to decide if he's going to remain behind in service of Xavier to train and lead this raw but powerful team, or if he's going to leave with his brother Havoc and pursue his uh, recent love for Marvel Girl. So ultimately, our hero decides to stay behind and begins a brutal training regimen in the infamous Danger Room uh, to whip the new team into shape. So he doesn't make friends with uh, Team Hotheads Wolverine and Thunderbird, but he begins taking the six individuals and forging them into a team. So meanwhile, in the secret U.S. military base in the Rocky Mountains called Valhalla, a routine mail call to the troops inside contains a mysterious box with a button that's labeled Press Me. Once the curious airman presses the button, five grotesque animal-like creatures appear out of a portal and make short work of the soldiers and airmen in the room. The leader of this bizarre quintet steps forward and reveals himself to be Count Nefaria who uses the base's own defenses to to render the remaining soldiers unconscious with knockout gas. So with America's nuclear arsenal now in his grasp, Count Nefari is holding the world at ransom and activates the Doomsmith scenario, which is a doomsday clock that will bring the end of the world if the villain's financial demands are not met. Unbeknownst to the vile Count, however, once the clock reaches a certain point, there's a failsafe that will not allow it to be disarmed. So with the Avengers unavailable and less than an hour to save the world, Cyclops leads the neophyte X-Men on a desperate rescue mission. Screaming in a battle aboard their legendary X-Jet, the X-Men approach Valhalla Base, only to be attacked by a combination of surface-to-air missiles and disruptor beams. Not beams, Jared, beams. Cyclops demonstrates his flying prowess and nearly evades the onslaught, but is, alas, finally overwhelmed by the base defenses. With the world hanging in the balance, our new friends are plummeting to their death. Will they survive? Will humanity survive? We have to find out next issue. Great. Thanks for the recap, Jason. Let's get into first read, reread. Jared? This is a first read for me. It is a first read for me as well. Jason? Uh, this is a reread for me. Let's get uh, highs and lows. Let's start with Jared. Highs, is, I would say, is uh, the the iconic stature of this issue, being the first uh, mission with strictly the new team. Um, I... I, I like. I mean, I liked it. It's. I'll jump into a low, in that it's. It is Claremont, and Claremont is a little more big on world building than a lot of other writers. So he takes mm-hmm. his time a little bit more. What's weird to me about Claremont is some things seem to take a lot, a lot of time because this whole issue is basically them getting the setup for the uh, Count Nefarious plot. So that is a little. That's a little slow overall. But other things he does really abruptly, like. Uh, the team breakup at the beginning of the book. And I mean, I know they can't spend an entire book with, with team breakup. Uh, so I, I think they do good with yeah. what they have. But there's a lot of like surprisingly, like surprisingly short emotional outbursts. Like Iceman decides he wants to fight Wolverine in one panel. And then, you know, uh, Thunderbird yeah. decides he wants to fight Cyclops, the second Cyclops. <laughs> like everybody wants to fight everybody all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or they, or they just yell at each other. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm leaving. leaving. I quit. Like you know, jerk. Sunfire. Yeah, Sunfire's a jerk. Uh, Thunderbird's a jerk. 
Wolverine and Iceman aren't can't get along. I mean, uh, and I I know they build the the conflict between the team members, but sometimes I just feel like they try too hard in their conflict builds. Uh, things I like though is I've always been a Cyclops fan, so this issue kind of centers around him a lot. So I like I like that. I also like the fact that a um, a guy gets a, a box in the mail with a button that says "Press me," and why not? I mean, who amongst <laughs> us? <laughs> a top secure location. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, who amongst <laughs> us wouldn't do it? But then again, if you were in a top <laughs> secret security <laughs> building, you might that, think yeah. twice about that. But yeah. that's today's equivalent. That's today's equivalent to a phishing email. That's right. That's right. He's got fish. Yeah. Click here. You just yeah. They basically got taken over by Amazon Prime. Is what happened <laughs> right there. <laughs> Um, I like the um, the little. We don't really go into the rogues gallery of bad guys that show up. But there's like a cat guy and a bird guy, an insect woman, a frog guy, and an ape man. Yep. And they're all kind of cool designs. I imagine we might learn more about them later. We don't learn a lot about them in this issue. And I, I learned you, you only learn like two of their names even in this yeah, issue. Think, yes, yes, that is correct. And then. Uh, the only other big takeaway I got from this issue is that everybody wants the Avengers, and I guess they'll settle for the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, is it the Avengers? No, it's the X-Men. Well, I don't trust you guys, but you're all we've got. That's like sort of the theme of the of the issues. Uh, but uh, yeah, aside from that, like I don't know like anything about – this is my first run-in with Count Nefaria. As many comics as I have read, I didn't know who this guy was. So I'm like, this is interesting. So I'll be interested to see where it goes from here. But – that's my take. I'll pass the mic. All right. Well, let's pass it to Jason. Yeah, I agree with what Jared said. You know, Chris Claremont, and uh, I mean, he, he's a great writer, obviously, and had a tremendous run uh, on the X-Men and built a, a, an outstanding universe. Uh, but he can sometimes take a while to get to where he's going. And this is kind of what I, I, I affectionately refer to, I think, as one of the setup issues before you get into the into the main main story, which I, I think will take place in issue 95, next issue. Things I like about this, I agree with Jared. I really like kind of how they focused on the, the struggle of Cyclops as he's kind of the bridge between the classic X-Men uh, who are outgoing and the new X-Men that are incoming, and he has to make that decision. And I think that, that this is one of those really pivotal character moments, which, I mean, it might have been a little over-dramatized in the issue, but, but he ultimately, you know, chooses... But he sees as his duty to prepare this team over his personal desires to pursue his love with Jean Grey and to spend time with with his brother, who people may or may not know had been separated for a long time. So this was a very tough decision for him to make, and I, I, I thought that that was captured pretty well in the story. The other part that I really loved is the Danger Room sequence. And just because I, I just always really loved the Danger Room scenes in general. And this is kind of one of the early, or earlier iterations, and the teams, fir- the new teams, first go in the danger room, and they have a beautiful splash page of of it um, that I, I just yeah, think is 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 amazing. So I thought those parts were were good. I think the um, the introduction of Count Nefaria, and I honestly I really don't know that much about him either. It looks like he first appeared back in X Men twenty two twenty three, which was before my time. So I'm not really sure what all his his powers are but uh but the the villains look interesting um they took over the base pretty easy i was a little i'm a little worried if it's that simple to take over our nuclear arsenal but but uh apparently he's got it and yeah and it ends with a pretty cool um you know action scene with with the the team flying in on the x-jet and getting shot at by missiles and and you know it in, ends with a pretty good cliffhanger it starts picking up at the end a little bit but but there is uh you know it, it does water down a little bit with some over dramatization in the first act i think I, just as a quick aside would have liked to seen sergeant joe harris you know he's the guy that gets the the box and presses the button. I would have liked to seen him be like, "Oh yeah, I got this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, you know, to the bathroom. And I'll check it out in there." Like, so he's in there, in his stall, doing his his business. Hits the button, and they come out in that expansive pose, like, "Ah, oh, we're the bad guys!" And like, he's just there pooping, just like staring at them, and then they're like staring <laughs> back at him. Well, this is awkward. They're, staring, they're just like, "Well, we'll, we're just gonna head out. You just, <laughs> you stay here." Well, didn't they mention, didn't they the say, room. like, oh, it's this inflatable Raquel Welch? 
Yeah, because he was like, I'm going back to my bunk. I'll be right back. <laughs> that would have been even more awkward. This isn't my Rogel yeah. Welch doll. <laughs> anyway, Pat, what you got? Um, I, t- I totally agree. I think this is out of the two. This is the this issue is meaty. I'm going to call it, you know, a lot going on uh, story wise, which is. Is now when I think about it, understandable because at this time, as I'm kind of indexing these, this is coming out every other month. It's being on sale date is every other month than what Spider-Man is because that one's that one's a monthly. So I can definitely see that why this one's a little bit longer. Uh, you have the first and the second chapter as well too, so it's kind of making up for that gap. I think probably just the amount of time that it took to you know put this thing together art wise and, and story wise you know writing it out and, and you know making this issue uh probably drags it out that way so that's my my thought on on that maybe somebody knows a little bit more and probably people that do uh how the publication the releasing of it was being done at this time definitely uh enjoyed the story i like this is more you have that team drama going on um the fight in fighting of the team and uh, the people leaving and, and coming and going. Now their second battle as a team and how they got to get together and uh, the training sequence montage there I enjoyed. And then just getting to that initial battle. I want to, you know, I want to know, okay, now that I've got to this point, how, you know, how are they getting out of this now? So, but I think we got to wait another two months before the next issue was out. So I'm not sure how people did it back then. <laughs> you know, I guess as, as this was coming out, but my highs is I really enjoyed it. Uh, like the team building that's happening. Uh, the story is, is getting me not only on the, the superpower or the, you know, the, the hero side of it, but you, I'm getting to know them in a re- relation, relational side of it as well, too, through my first go around here. So, it's building up something, so uh, definitely looking forward to more issues going ahead. Any other comments anybody have? No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, if if my comic book history is correct, and it may not be, but I, I think that the X-Men at this time were, were, were struggling uh, sales-wise, and, and that's what kind of prompted the breakup of the, of the team and introducing new characters and... Um, a new artistic team come aboard. Mm. And, and I think that's, that might've been why they were uh, every other month at that point. I think it was more mm-hmm. of a financial reason than it was an artistic reason. Isn't John Byrne coming <laughs> to the title soon? Yeah. John Byrne's going to, going to take on, let's see, when did, when was his first one? I can look it up here. I know that's kind of when, in, when X-Men kind of hits Things their golden years, like people, People oh, yeah. love Claremont Burn. Huh. The other thing I noticed as you're looking that up, you know, this guy, this Nefaria, or, or I don't know what he's powered. You know, as we're learning what his powers are, or what he is, but he must be some. You know, you, you got to think highly of yourself when actually they see a couple of the panel show him with his fist and on it. He's got a ring with an N on it. <laughs> thinks a lot. Know, of is something gonna happen? <clears throat> yeah, thinks a lot of himself. I don't know if he's got. Is something gonna? You know, is that? part of his power or what but yeah john burns gonna come on and issue 108 and then uh he'll he'll be the regular uh penciler on it from 111 on to forever right right good good stuff let's go ahead and give it a quick rate or quick ratings here uh we'll start with jason um i think that this is uh to me that uh was the was the three that you liked it three's a solid book yep yeah I'll, I'll give it a, i'll give this one a three and jared that's tough because yeah three's pretty solid four would be uh really liked really like it yeah i yeah i'll put it at a three it, it's a it's a solid three though i mean it's not not to disparage but i think it's also tough when we we were we were talking offline before about we got the Spider-Man book and the segment book, and the Spider-Man book kind of sh- shined more and story-wise. So, and we gave that, and I gave that a four. So, I feel like the X-Men would probably f- fall more on a three. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out where they were going with it at this point. I think it's you hard to not give it a four because it is an iconic issue. It is, you know, but True. but just purely from the issue standalone, yeah, I'm a three. I'm the same way. I'll give it a, I liked it, a three. It could be a little bit more, but I think maybe with the other issue, you know, the continuing story of it, uh, you know, that would probably give a little, I would give it a little higher. Um, Just 
kind of slow going through it for me. Yeah, basically. But, uh, not that I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. Basically, if you sat down the next issue of Spider-Man and the next issue of X-Men in front of me, I know which one I'm going to grab first. And it's going to be Spider-Man. Well, with that, let's go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break. And we'll be right back. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of our show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes and shares, occasional recipes in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. So let's get into the social media likes, shares, and retweets. Kicking it off with Aaron Smith. Next is Alan Middleton, the Professor Alan. Thank you. Alex Peterson. Thanks for listening, Alex. Beverly Sewell Wright. Chuck Dawson. Chuck D. D. <laughs> oh. We're word. <laughs> uh, then we got the dark web himself. David Cox. David Minty. That's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Sanchez. That's a porn name. <laughs> Pretty sure. Oh, baseball star. Uh, oh, the next one. Ernesto Hernandez. Yeah, nice. good luck. <laughs> yeah. Just landed that way. We didn't plan it or Est anything. Yeah, I know you guys. Estian Mendo Mendoza. Estian Mendoza? Estenon. Or did you Estenon? or did you mistype it? Is it Esteban? That would make more no, sense. No, I just did a copy paste. Oh, okay. I did cop copy paste. That's Estenon. Estenon. That's not your name. It's your fault, Estenon. <laughs> <laughs> I just copy and paste. That's all I do, folks. So. Uh, Isa Baca. Isa Baca? Isa Baca. <laughs> oh, boy. Good news. Hey, with the Joker himself, Jared Leto. Oh, nope. That's James Leto. I guess that maybe his brother or something. Sort of the Frank Stallone of, of the Leto family. But anyway, James Leto, <laughs> we appreciate you for real. Oh, here we oh, have man. the man God himself. Yeah, I feel good. Godfather of soul. Godfather of soul. Back, back. back from the soul. grave to listen to our podcast. Jump back. I want to kiss myself. I do. Yeah, y'all. <laughs> James P. Brown. Thank you, James. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Gustafson. Jared... All brick. 
What are the I don't know, but I like it. Being... <laughs> oh, this next one, man. Yeah. This guy. <laughs> Mr. Microphone himself. <laughs> Jason Albert. You guys are never going to let me live that never. down. <laughs> oh, and our, our cuzzy cuz, Jess Rash Holderman. Thanks for listening, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. John Mike Teeny. Thank you. Thank Pat might have just gone when I was supposed to go. I think so, too. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. Right. I'll yeah. take your spot. I'll take your spot. Yeah. Maybe you'll say no, it. No, I won't. I'll take your spot and save you from this one. <laughs> Juan Machuca. Juan Machuca. Gracias, Juan. Ah, uh, the woman that keeps me on the straight and narrow, Julie Jansen. Thanks for listening, Julie. Yeah, hey, every once in a while, it's okay to reply to my witty Facebook comments and texts, Julie. I don't either, Julie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, this next one. Is it uh, Julio Rojas? Julio Rojas, you nailed it. Yeah, I see. Muy bien. Uh, followed by... De nada. <laughs> followed by Carrie Porter. So, oh, I got uh, I got the podcast legend, Kevin Smith, man. Woo, Love thanks. you in mall rats. Holy cow. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, hold on. Hold on. It's, uh, I think you're reading. Yeah, that. it's Ken Smith. We don't know who the hell you are, Ken, but thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for listening, man. You rock. Go make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, next on the list is the man himself who shot first, Ken Solo. Yes. We love Ken on this show. We love you. Ken's a good colorist. Colors my way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Lee Hall. Thanks for listening, Lee. And Lee Hall. Lee Hall. And uh, Les Reynolds. Thanks for listening, Les. I wish we had more Reynolds, but unfortunately, we have <laughs> Les Reynolds. <laughs> Hey, sometimes Whoa. less is more. <laughs> there you go. Pat, why do you keep giving the Hispanic names? Because <laughs> I'm good at it. Matthew Hernandez. Ooh. See, I guess I'm <laughs> And I got some dude. He's oh. got the plainest name. Pat Sampson. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> it's Tom He's a good dude. It's, He's a good dude. It's our podcasting brother from Sam-son. another mother, Pat. I I got uh, Ray Liotta. Nice. Oh, oh, Fe, Ray Feloga. Feloga. Mm-hmm. We don't know who the hell you are, Ray, but thanks for listening. Yep. Uh, <laughs> then next is Sebastian Garcia. He's getting all of them. Sebastian Garcia. Sebastian Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> I got a cool one here. Um, someone who just goes by Seven Mystic Powers. Well, thanks for putting, you know, one of Mysterious. the seven Mysterious. Mm. Mysterious. Wow, I like it. I got uh, I got Sean Brown. Brown. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah, ends. Two ends. Two ends. Sean Brown. All right. Well, I have everybody's favorite song from The Counting Crows. Stan E. Jones. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Mr. Jones. Jones. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that song. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know Mr. Jones? You're going to be a big star. You call him Dr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they could do it. You call him Dr. Jones. My professional name. Or now Aww. it's my professional name. I, I'm not sure who's going next because it looks like Pat's supposed to read it, but I'm really not sure. Is it me? No, I just did just I just did Jones. Okay. Who goes after it's me, isn't it? I feel yes, like it is. Yours. Tito so, Martinez. Gracias, Tito. And Wender Santiago will wrap it up. Thanks, Wender. Where in the world is Wender <laughs> Santiago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Where is Winter Santiago? Winter Santiago. Okay, where, so oh, let's move you? into oh. social, social media replies and comments. Uh, we got one from Jamie Gustafson. Uh, Pat, you want to read that one? Sure. And Jamie says, one of my favorite covers from my childhood. And that was for uh, Spider-Man cover with Tarantula on, the, on it, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the, yep. the, from this episode, because we're not recording this later. This no. Is this episode. No, last oh, episode. we're doing it live. Last episode. Do it live. Anyway, thanks for dropping a comment, Jamie. We appreciate it. And thanks to everyone uh, for the follows, likes, and shares. We appreciate your friendship and support in helping spread the word about this podcast. Well, that's going to be it for the show. So be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a thanks to both Jared Elbrick, the yard sale artist, and Jason Elbrick for being on this episode. Uh, so, guys, where can we find you at, Jason? Well, once again, I can be my last name's Albrick, like Alby Rich, A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H. And you can find me at uh, Jason Albrick on Facebook, uh, Jason Albrick on Instagram, 
or Jason Al- underscore Albrick on Twitter. Give him a follow. He could use the follow. Yes, I'm so lonely. <laughs> I'm all alone. Somebody follow Jason. Come on. Somebody follow me. Yeah, I just, I don't want to be the only one. <laughs> no. Jared, where can people find you on the webs and what's going on in your fine career as an artist? Ah, well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist or on Facebook under Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist. Um, you can also find me over on the White Rocket Entertainment Network, where I'm on a handful of podcasts, including Comics with Normies, On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, The Quantum Leap Rewatch, and The Babylon 5 Rewatch. As far as upcoming shows, always the best way to do that is just go to my Twitter or Facebook and look at the pinned tweet or post at the top, and that will tell you where you can find me next. Um, so on my upcoming shows, just to spare you from having to go to my, my social media to find out, I will be at PC Creative Con in Panama City on the 7th and 8th of October. I'll be down at Daytona Comic Con in Daytona, Florida on the 5th of November. Back at Fanaticon, Bama. Uh, that's the Alabama Fanaticon here in Ozark, Alabama. That's on the 11th and 12th of November. And finally, if you're going into the Christmas season, on the 2nd and 3rd of December, you can find me at the Tallahassee Comic Con, Tallahassee, Florida. Staying busy. I am. This is my busy time. I get real busy on the con circuit between about September and December. Great. I wish I could be there with you. Sounds like it'll be some fun You spots. are always welcome. And uh, you can also follow me if you want. I'm at, at Longbox Crusade and also on Facebook under Pat Sampson. So give me a follow there too. Just like Jason, I could use some friends. <laughs> We're so lonely. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page. So until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read, read them, them all. Read them all. Hey, we didn't do bad on that one. I think we did <laughs> good. I think bad. we did good there. I jumped it a little bit. Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. My days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. And life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. When the work's all done and the sun's set low, I pull out my fiddle and I rosin up the bow. The kids are asleep, so I keep it kind of low. Thank God I'm a country boy. I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could, but the Lord and my wife wouldn't think it very good. So I fiddle when I can and I work when I should. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. If anything, stay for the bloopers. That's right. right. Sometimes I go back on old episodes and just listen to the bloopers. (laughs) It was uh, summertime. Summer, summer, summertime. That's right. Time to sit back and unwind. So, and nobody said you weren't going to be on it. You did. Well, you replied back to me. That's right. I did. Oh. <laughs> I think because he he asked the question. Van Allen Plexico asked the question about, uh, you know, why when he jumped. You can just use his first name. You know, you don't have to use the full name. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know what his first name is. Is it Van? Is it Van Allen? Van. Is it Van it's Allen? Van. Okay. Is it Van? Vanson? Just Van. Van Plo? Should we just... <laughs> I call him Fantastic. Okay, Fantastic. Okay, so Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic, Plastic Man. I like the one where he leaps into the uh, like the first Enterprise. <laughs> That's a whole other show. Then- we came back, big David Hasselhoff music fans. <laughs> anyway, what's what are we doing on this call? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we gotta get down to business. Well, yeah, I still gotta like water my garden. I haven't really been paying attention. I was, I was.
You can catch Jared mm-hmm. here. Jason's dancing at Milking yep. Studs down on Route 23. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yep. Jason yeah. sits in an office all day long, plays free cell. Because we could sit and not talk for however. <laughs> but I like talking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, too. So That's the best I, I part of this. If I had been thinking, I would have yeah, tried to delve into this this morning. So nobody, nobody tell them yeah. that we did this because I forgot. I love that part. I do, I do too. But like you said, if we're inviting other people, we got to. Yeah. We gotta act like we're a professional organization. <laughs> I have no idea what a professional organization even looks like. If I was gonna get a tattoo, I think I'd like. I that. have a 007 tattoo. <laughs> I do, do. Do I dare ask where? It's uh, on my <laughs> no, <laughs> tramp stamp. Yeah, tramp stamp. You got it. <laughs> we'll go. We've recorded without Jason before. Those are some of our yeah, best. Yeah, you guys. You guys had no no problems leaving <laughs> me behind. I got to go water the garden, right. so I should probably take off as well. That sounds yeah, like a euphemism for something. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go water, water that garden. garden, you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about? <laughs> Plant some seeds, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> On that and we're done. next episode, we're doing man thing, yeah. you know? <laughs> Giant size man thing. Giant size. <laughs> Super Still the funniest comic book title ever. <laughs> Giant size. <laughs> funniest and dirtiest. <laughs> At 46 years old, I still can't say that with a straight face. Sweet. Well, <laughs> we did it. That should be how we you end it. the show. Just cut the audio right there. That'll be this yeah. one. That is it. Thank Sweet. you. Bye. Peace. Good night. Well, bye. Bye.